Hey there, and welcome to episode number 152 of the Church Collective Podcast. Here I am again in my backyard because that's just the reality of what's going on right now. In this episode, myself and Chris had the opportunity to talk to Cody Carnes, and my goodness, was it fantastic. It's really neat to kind of hear how different worship leaders are dealing with uh, just the current climate and uh, just everything that's going on in their life. We heard more about the blessing. I mean, I'm sure you guys have seen the story. It was really neat that there's a there's a video of them actually riding it that's on. We talk a little bit about that. We talk about how to really just dig in the Lord um, and really utilize the time that we have to, to chase after God. And um, yeah, I, I think you're going to have a wonderful time with this little note too. If you're not in our Facebook group, go look up the Church Collective community on Facebook. We'd love to connect with you there. We have some guitar presets coming up on the website. We've got a lot of really cool stuff coming and uh, we would just love to, to connect with you. So make sure to find us on all those social channels and uh, we can't wait to see you over there. Here we go with our interview with Cody. Um, so I guess why don't you just tell us about the the new album came out a little bit ago and then we'll just we'll keep moving from there. Yeah, man. So um so excited about this album, so proud of it. And um, you know, I started I, I did this album a little bit unconventionally in the sense that I I started releasing songs before I even knew what songs would go on the album or before the whole thing was written or anything. Just kind of started with a song called Nothing Else that I wrote. And um, and first time I led it was at our church conference here, the Belonging Conference, back in t- 2018. And man, this was such a crazy moment um, in the presence of God. And so I really felt this kind of this, you know, unction then to just release it soon and didn't have any other songs written. Just I want to release this song, you know. And so that kind of started this whole process of just writing a song I really felt I loved and connected to and felt like would connect with people and just putting it out, you know? And so this album that just came out is really just a collection of a lot of those moments and um, a lot of new songs too. But uh, man, it's just been uh, an amazing year just kind of seeing just song by song, just different songs connecting with the church. And, um, you know, uh, I really just felt like in this album i really wanted to write songs out of encounters with god and uh there's a, a a mentor of mine like was speaking to a group of songwriters one time and he said that he said write songs out of encounters with god because when you do it's like the encounter gets locked up in that song and each time it's led and each time it's heard and each time it's sung it's like that that same encounter gets opened up to people and it's crazy because i i watch people whether it's live whether it's on social media which stories that i hear I watch people tell me the, the encounters that they're having or I see them having it live, you know, and, and it's, it feels exactly like what I was encountering with God, like with nothing else. I had this massive moment where I was just uh, repenting to God of just putting all of these, these desires and these wants and, you know, what I felt like these needs and these things I was praying to happen, you know, and I was frustrated because they weren't happening the way I thought they should. And, you know, all this kind of things I was, I, I realized that my heart had become so focused on that, that I completely lost just the value of this relationship with God and how incredibly valuable that is. And that that's the source of peace and that's the source of joy, not all the stuff, you know? And I wrote that song just out of that moment of repentance and, and really got set free writing that song. And it's been crazy to see all the stories that, that have come out of people having the exact same encounter with that song or or Mm. during that song with god you know and so i just i love that and i really just tried to do that on every song you know run of the father is just it was written out of a moment where i was just um man i was really having a hard 
hard time in my relationship with my dad and um, just writing about the love of God as a father and all the voids that I've seen God over the course of my life as a father. I've seen the voids that he's filled and the wisdom that I have that I shouldn't and the things that he speaks to me. And I'll get off stage sometimes and I'll, I'll just hear, I'm so proud of you. You did. Mm. That was amazing. You know, stuff that all the, like just a good father does like seeing him do that. And so that song is just out of personal revelation for me. Yeah. So anyway, like every song, and I, I can look at every song and I remember the moment I had with God during writing that song, you know, and and so really that's what it is. It's just a collection of those encounters, a collection of those moments. And um, uh, every song, I, I feel like every song is is super like congregational and, um, you know, something that I really felt was important for me to do on this album was was to do that. And um, and so, yeah, it's been super fun so far just watching it. Yeah. Go far and wide. What's your, your songwriting process like? Are you um, are you like a, a sit in a room with an acoustic guitar? Are you a co-write guy? You know. Yeah, I mean, I I usually will. Um, and every every song is different. You know, sometimes it's me in the studio. Like I love writing with like headphones and keys and like a good mic and verb. Like the whole vibe. Like I, that's probably my favorite kind of way to write. If I'm doing it by myself. Um, you know, but a lot of times, I mean, a lot of these songs started like in a room with other people. So nothing else. I, I, I had the chorus melody in that vibe. You know, I was at the studio writing the chorus melody in my house, but that's all I had. I didn't have any lyrics. So I didn't even know what the song was going to be about. And took that into a write with two other people and we ended up writing nothing else. And Run to the Father, just none of us had the idea before we came in. It literally just kind of unfolded in the room. Um, you know, so a lot of uh the songs come about that way i love collaborating with people i think that that's an amazing thing to do and um i've songs always get better when you do that i feel like you know at least in my experience songs have always gotten better when you when you add other people's like perspective and there's so many different facets to god especially if you're writing songs about god and to god and songs for the church there's so many different facets of god that people bring in these different perspectives and i think that's a really beautiful thing and um you know so it's it's fun to have collaboration in that and um you know but i've written songs in three hours and i've written songs in like three months and uh you know just a lot of songs kind of get started in a room and then as you as everybody goes away you kind of finish it over text message now and uh christ be magnified was kind of that way i started it in a room with Corey asbury we wrote the bridge and then we only had a couple hours, so we that's all we could do for that day. And so we kind of took the bridge and left and felt like it was really strong and ended up pulling our friend Ethan Holson, and he kind of brought the chorus after we sent him the bridge. He's like, I have this chorus idea, and it was amazing. And then the three of us over text message finished the verses together, just shooting ideas and voice memos and lyrics, and, and we finished the song that way. Um, so... It's fun what you can do with technology, and that's what we're seeing right now with this whole quarantine thing. Like, it's amazing how you can exchange over technology. And I don't think I'm ever going to leave my house again. Now I'm just going to stay <laughs> home in my sweats, and right. you know, just I don't think I, I've, I've realized like I don't have to go anywhere. <laughs> so um, yeah, it's different every time, man. I've I've just learned to never like never squash any any kind of idea or anything. Just it let a song let let a song be written the way it kind of wants to be written, and and kind of just watch for it and, and watch for what God's saying more than like trying to like bring all these rules and regulations or all these things on it. Like be more like open, kind of open-eyed, open-minded to just 
how a song might fall into place and um, look for it instead of, you know, trying to like force it, you know? Yeah. So are you, um, are you testing it on congregations and then tweaking or are you kind of tweaking and then, then kind of debuting the finished product? Yeah, it's a little bit of both. I mean, I, I definitely try to tweak it. I, I definitely don't want to like lead a song that I feel like is, is unfinished in a distracting way. You know what I mean? Like if I feel like it's not going to ultimately when I lead worship, my, my goal in that moment is to just serve the people in that, like in that moment, you know? So I'd never want to like do something that would hinder that. But at the same time, if I feel like a song is like strong and I feel like I really just, if I write a song that I love and I feel like it's strong, I can't wait to like show it to people, you know? So it really comes from that aspect of like, yeah, I mean, I'm introducing songs a lot in church. I did a lot of songs on tour this last year um, that weren't out because I just, I like when I did the Elevation tour last March, you know, um, nothing else was out. So I led that song, but I had just written Run to the Father. We were actually still riding the bridge. We were kind of still tweaking it. And, but I was doing that tour and I was like, man, if I have this song in my back pocket, I'm not just going to like let it sit over on the sidelines. Like this is a song that could really help people really connect with people. And, and so I just threw it on the tour, you know, nobody had ever heard it. It wasn't out. You couldn't find it for like, I don't think I released it for like five months. Mm. So it was kind of mean to like introduce it and be like, all right, you gotta wait for it. <laughs> but man, I, I just, I love doing that. And, and that does help a ton when you introduce a song to your church or to a congregation of people. And uh, it tells you a lot about it. And, you, and I've done that before where a certain section maybe didn't, didn't hit the way I wanted it to. And I've, I've really gone back and asked the Lord, like, do I tweak this? Do I not? And a lot of times it's like, yeah, like make these little shifts, make these little changes. And um, it helps a ton. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit. I mean, obviously life is totally different for us right now. What, what's God doing in and through you? Obviously you're able to collaborate with technology. That's really cool. But like, you got any advice for, as we roll this episode out, I'm sure people are maybe twiddling their thumbs and just kind of stuck, not knowing what to do. Any encouragement or advice? <laughs> yeah. I mean, dude, this is a great time, at least for me, you know, I've got kids and we're touring all the time and like, we're all, we're really never at home that much. And so for me personally, like, this is a time where like, I have a so much extra time on my hands in that sense. And I'm trying to be as intentional as I can with it. You know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to really like be diligent with spending time with God, reading the word more, like doing, I'm, I'm actually having time to like go through like the deep kind of tons of chapters a day type yeah. study that I've been wanting to do for a long time. And, you know, um, and yeah, just, just trying to like be creative. Like I find myself in the studio in the home studio more now than I was. And uh, I'm just kind of naturally like creating stuff because I just like sat down and, and did it, you know? And, um, you know, I, I think as far as the, what God's doing in this time, man, I, you know, I, I, feel, I always love how God can just use anything to to bring about some kind of like really great fruit in our lives. And and I think this situation is no different. Like I see what's crazy is I see the church. We see the church coming back to the home. You know, everybody's having church in their home. And and I, I think I, I think I love like I know I love that. And I think that God I think that God is like intentionally doing something in that to like bring these moments with God back to the home you know because i know for me and and i think for a lot of people we've become so dependent on like the big gathering and we've become so dependent on not that those 
those big gatherings are bad at all. There's, there is a, there is a definitely an intention for them and there needs, they need to happen, but they also need to be an, I think an overflow out of the, what's happening in the home. Like how are yeah. you meeting with God in your home? And then when you get together in a big group of people, it's almost like an overflow, a celebration, a, an extension of what's happening here. And I, I think God's like pushing a reset button on that right now. And, yeah. and where you really have to, you have to really, you're forced to go back to that personal relationship with God in your home, you know? Mm. And if you've lost that, man, lean into that. Like God wants to do something special with that. And I've seen, I've seen my, from a creative perspective, I've seen my creativity like, like grow tenfold out of really just being intentional to meet with God one-on-one on my own, you know? And that yeah. sounds so funny to say because it's so it's so basic Christianity, but there's so many of us that like we don't do that. And sure. we we depend on somebody else to or we depend on just going to church or going to conferences or whatever, and we're not having it for ourselves. But creatively right now, you will get the best ideas, you will get the best things that come out of you if you're really just being intentional just to use this time, like spend time with God, like like read read more than you have or or worship more than maybe you have at home or just do some of those things. And, and then like write down all the ideas, like the flood of things that you get, like write those songs and write those things. And, um, but I think that we're going to come out of this. Like I hope and pray that we, the church doesn't go back to the way that we were before this. Yeah. I think we're going to come out of this and, and we're all going to be different. We're all going to value being together again, which I think is so important, you know, and sure. so special. Like I think about the first time that we're back in church, like what that's going to feel like. Yeah. And the first time that like we're back on tour and we're playing like this, this, you know, big room and that used to kind of, for me, feel like it started to kind of feel like a, like a, almost like a mural when I would look out at it, you know, honestly, mm. I've seen it so much. Right. And it starts to kind of feel the same that you really, it was hard to like not, to fight that feeling now it's just going to be like this wonder and amazement that we get to do it. I, I don't know. I just think it's going to be special that um, we, we don't take certain things for granted that maybe we did after we come out of this season. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, do, you, do you have any encouragement for like the worship leader in the smaller church? Like any, any advice for somebody at church of a couple hundred people, they probably didn't stream before this. They don't have a whole lot of yeah. access to that. Like any advice for what they could do? to just begin to help engage their church. And I mean, you, you spoke to what they should be doing at home spiritually and all that. And that's yeah. fantastic guys listening to this. Please, please do that. It's so important. But uh, how, how can they kind of be a lifeline in an engagement for their church in a situation where they might not have access to everything that, that, yeah. uh, that they see the big churches have? You know what I think is beautiful about this is that um, something I feel like God is also doing is he's kind of stripping off this, perfection polish sheen off of what we do you know that's great yeah and i i think that excellence is so important i and i but excellence is really more a posture of the heart than it is like um an outside representation like i think that's the fine line between excellence and perfection is like my heart is to do everything i can do to the best of my ability um but i think sometimes in church we hold this like perfectionism thing up to god like thinking that we're doing something diligent by doing that. And God's, God's not asking for that. He, yeah. I think God is way more delighted in the raw, a little bit unpolished, like, you know, just expression of worship. And, you know, 
I, I was a church planner for a you know few years, helped start a church. I remember having 20 people. And I, I went from a church of like 30,000 people, you know, leading, leading, you know, rooms of 4,000 and all the polish and all the, all the sheen and all the, all the moving parts that were so dialed, you know, which in a lot of ways was great. But I remember going to that room of 20 people and I remember feeling the pressure of like having to have what I had in the other place in this room. And I remember trying to like, it was almost like kind of like David putting on Saul's armor. Or he's like forced to put on Saul's armor, and then when he when he goes out to fight Goliath, and it's like too heavy and too big, like he doesn't fit. And he's like, and he's like, no, I'm just gonna take all this off, and I'm gonna go just do what I do. And it was simple; it was like throwing a rock and killing Goliath, you know. And I think about that for like a small church. Like, I think this is actually taking the pressure off of everyone to go. Like, if you have all the stuff, that's amazing, and you should utilize it to the to the best that you can for the yeah. glory of God. But if you don't have all this stuff, it doesn't mean you're less than. Mm. It actually, it actually means <laughs> you might just you you might have even more raw and authentic encounters with God because you don't have all this stuff in the way. But don't feel the pressure to have all that stuff because mm. I'm seeing people meet with God over Instagram Live right now, you know. And like, if you've got, I mean, it's easy to to get an Instagram account if you don't, which I'm sure you probably already do if you're a church. Sure. <laughs> get a fa- get a Facebook account, get a YouTube account, something like go sign up. And just put an iPhone up there and just, just leave worship with an acoustic guitar. Like, dude, that is like, that is what everybody is doing. And you're seeing every person that had all the production, all the stuff, they're now having to like kind of do that for the most yeah. part. You know, there's some churches that are still able to do their thing and that's beautiful and amazing. And I love that they're able to do that. But for the most part, like, man, me and Carrie are just in our studio or we're in our couch, just, you know, leading worship over, over FaceTime, you know? Yeah. I think engage your church that way. And, and honestly, like I remember learning in that church plant season, don't try to, don't try to do something that you're not in the place in your church to do. Like, like recognize where you are in the journey. When I was with 20 people, it's like, I needed to just not feel the pressure to have a full band of musicians and all this stuff. Cause I had 20 people in my church and none of them played music. I'm like, how am I supposed to, <laughs> right. you know, like, if I was if I was super content back then to just sit with an acoustic guitar in a living room and lead worship, we're going to have way better encounters with God because we're just focused on God at that point. We're not focused on all this pressure and all these things, you know, like that. And let let as you grow, let your let your production grow and let let the like pressure that you feel just off. You know, you don't have to have all that stuff to have these deep encounters with God. You really don't. And I think. I think God is like proving that point right now through us and through the church is like, everybody's cool with like the unpolished untuned video on Instagram live. Like, you know, before some people would never let their vocal go out untuned and unpolished. It's Mm -hmm. like, ah, who cares, you know, and you're watching it affect people. And you're honestly watching, I think the reach of people grow, like the reach of these songs going to people is growing because the people releasing them aren't as like, afraid and they're not holding back and they're not yeah. like you know it's just like let's just throw all this stuff out you know and i i talked to a buddy at passion city church the other day and he was like we had two hundred thousand people stream on church online with us this weekend like uh-huh. we could have never fathomed like having that many people with us at church if we were meeting in our building and that was our focus and i don't know it's just like so crazy to think about when we really just engage each other in a raw and authentic way and and stripped down and you know 
I don't know. It's just, I think there's something to it. And I think it's a beautiful thing, man. So work yeah. with what you got. That's the moral. <laughs> work with what you got yeah. and be just be great and proud of it. And, you know, you're having encounters with God just the same as anybody else's and whatever their church looks like. Yeah, that's great. You're talking about journey. What does your personal journey look like? Um, like? How did you grow up? How did you get into ministry? How did you get to where you are now? Yeah, so I grew up in church. Um, I grew up in a small West Texas town. Um, if you've seen the TV show Friday Night Lights, like that's exactly where I grew up. Where I was from is based on, like that's what that show is based on. And so small town, like First Baptist Church, that's where I grew up. Started leading worship in my youth group when I was 14. Um, you know, and so really fell in love with like leading worship and presence of God, like leading people to God and through music and that whole season of my life. And um and I, I was I'm a musician's kid, so I grew up playing music, like I grew up learning all like different instruments and all kinds of stuff. I was just like thrown to the deep end on that side of things. And so um so I, I graduated high school and then moved to Dallas and became a part of Gateway Church there. And um, started serving on a team, you know, uh, playing different instruments and leading worship some too. And, um, you know, and then around, around like two years after being there is when I met Carrie. And Carrie invited me to be in a band. And that's really when I started. And at the same time, I started like writing songs. And so I was leading worship with her and I was leading worship at church and I was writing songs. And I kind of just started, you know, noticing that I would write a song and I would lead it and people would respond. It was like whoa like this mind-blowing thing you know and so that just kind of drove me to just keep leaning into what god was doing in my life and um i traveled with her for about a year full-time on the road and then i got hired to lead that church plant um in phoenix so we i moved from dallas to phoenix and i was a 22 year old young kid and um went out there having no idea what i was doing and had to just like figure it all out which was awesome and um yeah, so we led that church for, for three years, the first years that it started. And uh, during that time, is like long story short, when Carrie and I started dating, got married, and we were, I was there for like 10 months after we got married, and then we felt God calling us to move to Nashville and found out we were pregnant with our son. And so we moved to Nashville, and I've just been kind of rocking and rolling here ever since then, you know? So, yeah, I mean, I grew up like small town super conservative Baptist church, um, you know, church, I've had church planning of days. I've had um, all kinds of different parts of the journey and all along the way, I mean, still to this day, I've just seen the value of like serving your church and, and serving where God has you right now is the best thing that you could do. And it's amazing to dream and it's amazing to look forward. And you should, because God gives us those things and gives us visions and gives us dreams to look forward to but your dreams should never cause you to neglect where he has you right now. And um, if you, if you're faithful where you are right now, then then doors will just open as God wants them to. And any door that you force open, you have to force to keep open. And that's exhausting, you know, and uh, I don't feel like I've ever, and I don't, I, try, I don't really even ever say this because it sounds like kind of arrogant. I don't mean it that way, but I don't feel like I've ever had to force a door open for any opportunity that I've gotten. Like, I, I've, I've wanted to at times, I've been tempted to, but going off of wisdom of other people that have told me this before, like, I just kind of would wait on God's timing, and it was always way slower than I wanted it to be, 
And But what I realized looking back at those seasons is the time that I thought it was slow was a time when God was actually preparing me for something. And it was like working on my root system that I couldn't really see. And now as the tree grew taller and as the fruit, you know, grew out on the branches more on the outside where you could physically see it, I realized that my root system had to be a certain way, a certain depth to be able to hold it, you know. And so don't neglect those quiet seasons, those waiting seasons, those whatever those look like. Just serve where he has you right now. You know, when I was with those 20 people at church plant, starting a church plant, I put my whole heart into it. Like, didn't know how long I would be there. Didn't know if the church would ever even grow. Had no idea, you know. But I put my whole heart into it. And I've really seen God just, like, bless that each time. And, and um, you know, the place where I've planted seeds, you know, you reap harvest. And I planted a lot of seeds in that in that season in the church plant. And I God called me to move right when the church started, like, exploding and growing and right when the worship culture when finally people understood three years in how to actually worship god you know i had just started seeing some fruit and god told me to leave and i was kind of heartbroken and what's amazing is i've seen the fruit of the the seeds that i planted in that season i've seen the fruit reaped in this season and so yeah don't don't be afraid to give your whole heart to something and you're doing it as unto god and be faithful where he has you and you just trust him with the rest. You'll know when he opens a door and you'll feel the wind at your back to go through it. And just, just live life that way. And it's, it's a fun, crazy journey. What, what kind of musical training did you have? Did you teach yourself guitar or, or did you take lessons? Yeah. So I started out, like I said, my dad was a professional musician for like 25 years. Um, and so I started out like he sent me on a drum kit when I was super young and that was my first instrument. And that was really like my main instrument from when I was a young kid all the way through high school. Um, that's what I thought I would kind of had an idea. That's what I would play like for the rest of my life, be my main thing. And um, But I took piano lessons at like age six to age 12, learned, learned all my theory that way. Um, I kind of, my dad and kind of taught me guitar after that. And I kind of taught myself some just knowing all the piano theory and stuff like that. I kind of figured it out learn how to play guitar and then uh i picked up bass like in high school because i was in like all these like post-hardcore bands and i was i was the drummer mainly in some of those um when tooth and nail was like a massive thing you know and but there was there was a scenario one time when we were i was a junior in high school and they were like hey we're starting this other band but we need a bass player we have a drummer we need a bass player and i was like okay i'll play bass and i like fell in love with bass all of a sudden you know and so just kind of always have been in music, like studied it in school. I, I was in drum line and drum captain and all that kind of stuff, just constantly studying music and ton of kind of self-taught kind of stuff. Um, and I didn't, didn't go to college, so I didn't have any kind of like collegiate training, but I've just, I just kind of dove into just, um, you know, constantly just leading worship and practicing and learning stuff and, you know, um, kind of taught myself everything, anything I do know past that, just kind of along the way. But so you're a marching band. Yeah, I was in marching band. Cool. Yeah, I played tenors, like the oh, five. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The five, the five toms kind of thing on drum line. Yeah. Yeah, I was drum major. It's it's nice. funny when you, you find out how many uh, current worship leaders or musicians like kind of were in marching band. Yeah, man, those are. <laughs> I, I loved those days, man. That was that was really really fun times for us yeah. <laughs> um yeah i don't know i had a question that fell out on the marching band thing <laughs> you, got, you, you keep going chris you got, you got. Yeah. 
Back up, you said, man, you piqued my interest when you said Tooth and Nail and the post hardcore. Like, what what kind of bands did you like back then? Oh, dude, Under Oath, uh, Project, Emery, um, Amberlin. Like, I was into all anything that Tooth and Nail was putting out. I was super, super into. That was like, I never got to go to Cornerstone. I was so mad when it shut down because that was like, that, when I was in high school, it was like at its peak and that's when all the whole thing was happening. Um, but yeah, dude, I, I went to all those shows, loved all that stuff. It was so fun. What kind of um, secular influences do you have? Like what, what kind of creeps into your, into your arranging and your, your music? Yeah, man. Oh, I love so much, so much music and so many bands. Like, um, I'm a massive Butte Math fan. Um, I'm a big Chris Martin Coldplay fan. Like, I love, I love Ryan Tedder as a producer and writer and everything he does in Wonder Public. Like, love everything that he puts out. Um, Bonnie Vare, love it so much. Uh, Need to breathe. Um, I definitely have these like strains of like, I love super soulful stuff. So any, any like Alan Stone, like anybody with like a ton of soul, like I have this like special place in my heart for it. And any kind of like really soulful kind of vocal thing, like I love. And then I also love just like the super techie creative stuff, like the mute mask stuff, but then like the just straight up rock and roll, like crazy party vibes. And I feel like a little bit of that post hardcore, like, thing kind of creeps into my, to my music sometimes like there's times and we'll just especially live we'll have these like big like thrashing like high energy kind of things and like we always kind of joke because me and me and the guy who plays drums for us it, we both grew up in that and we're like we're just we're letting a little bit of that creep in just every now and again to like worship environment you know so yeah it's kind of this like crazy melting pot of all these kind of different like um you know influences coming together and i still haven't really gotten to like i'm hoping that even when this album as it continues to do its thing that i can do like my first like headlining tour at some point and uh i really haven't even gotten to like fully express kind of all the different elements of those kind of all those kind of genres coming together you know and um i have like all these crazy ideas to make it super high energy and super like techie at points and then but then like super broken down and like intimate, soulful and, you know, so we'll see. See what happens. What does your, um, your home studio look like? Are you super into gear or are you just a simple guy? Like, um, I would say I'm more of a simple guy, but I, I'm definitely like, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of diving in deep to the black hole of gear that never ends. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think with my home studio, I just, I have a great, I have a great key setup that I can kind of run um, any kind of keys thing through. So I've got like, I've got a, a, a M audio controller, but I've also got like my Nord that I use live set up right now in there. Um, and then I've got like a ton of, I love like the Keyscape plugin. All those pianos are amazing. Um, a lot of the Spitfire pianos, like, and I think they're, most of them are free, which is crazy because they're like so insane. So look up the Spitfire stuff if you don't, if you haven't, but they've got some great pianos on there. Um, and then I run, I usually run Pro Tools, um, cause I love how to, ed- I love editing in Pro Tools, but Logic is, is also fun sometimes too for, it has 
some creative elements to it that Pro Tools kind of doesn't. And um, so I work in there sometimes. Um, and then I've just got a really good vocal chain. Like that's the thing that I invested money into really just to really make sure um, I could do like kind of acoustics and bass and, and vocals all through this kind of one chain. So I've got a, I've got a Soyuz mic, um, the, the O17, which is a great um, mic kind of fashioned after a vintage uh, U67. Um, and then I've got it running into a, a, a 1084 plug-in or a 1084 mic pre and, and an LA2A compressor. Um, and so that's kind of like my, my vocal chain, which also works great for bass, great for acoustic. Um, you know, I kind of use it for all those. So those are outboard I, or, or are you using plug? That's all outboard. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. The 1084 and the LA2A are outboard gear. Um, that's the only outboard stuff that I have. Um, so I think, I mean, uh, I would love to have like a little side studio side of the house kind of thing at some point, mainly cause I love like um getting a band together that i mean the bet my favorite way to just create even just record and write songs even is like give me a full band in a room all on like great mics great pre's great ears like and let's just see what happens like i would love to have a space like that at some point you know where and we can even rehearse for tours that way and stuff like that like i i love that but for now i mean i can i can track any really anything but drums if i absolutely needed to track it at home you know, just through those few little pieces of gear, I can, I can track that stuff. So, and I have a Apollo twin too, for just the, the, um, A to D conversion. And, you know, I'll use that for, if I'm uh, tracking just a demo, I'll use the SM7 mic, $300 mic. That's amazing into my, you know, Apollo twin and, and just use some of the, the UAD plugins on there. And it's, it's awesome. That's cool. What'd you say the mic was called? It's Soyuz. So the company is um, S-O-Y-U-Z. Um, you can look them up. It's a pretty new company. It's like four or five years old. And um, when, when I was looking for a vocal mic around about four years ago, I went to this store in town um, that has a ton of great microphones and did a shootout. And they threw up about 10 different microphones up. And um, we kind of started narrowing them down. And we narrowed it down to between this mic and uh, a Wonder U47. So it's a vintage U47 remake. Those are the two mics that I was kind of like in between and ended up going with this Soyuz because I had Carrie come sing on it. And I was like, the chances of us finding a, a mic that can work for both of us are very slim. Our voices are so different, but let's just see. And so we I had her come sing on both of those mics and she really loved, oops, sorry, I had a call come in, my bad. Uh, and she really loved the, the Soyuz. And so we went with that one and it's crazy. We, we've used it on both of our records since 2017. So her garden record and, uh, both of my, like, so my first record in this one, um, and then she's, we're, we're going actually, when I leave here, we're going to go track her vocal on another song today. We're going to take it with us. So it's an amazing, seems to be kind of like all around good mic. I've tracked upright piano with it. I've tracked acoustic with it. Um, and it's just, it's a great, if you, if you have the money to invest in it, it's a great investment because it just works on literally everything. And anybody that we've had seen on it, like sounds amazing in it, which is pretty rare to find. So that's cool. Wait, was it that vintage King you did the shootout? Yeah. Yeah. Vintage King. Did, mm -hmm. how, did you, did you 
like plan that with them and like shut the store down or did, were people like shopping and you guys were in there like mic mm-hmm. testing? Uh, I, I planned it in the sense that, yeah, like we kind of, we kind of booked the mic room. So people were shopping all the store, but, but yeah, I booked it with them. We kind of booked the mic room, which is just the room where they can throw up. They have all these little mic stands. They can throw up mics on. Yeah. So I, I guess they do it pretty often, but, but yeah, we were in there for a couple of hours, just like pulling stuff and trying stuff. And yeah. That would have been fun. funny to not funny, but cool to walk in. Just see the two of you guys like <laughs> testing out mics, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. What about um, like, do you have your room treated, or do you have like a separate space? You're just throwing it up in the living room. I or? really, I really, you know, I should have it treated. <laughs> I've like, I've got this guy's phone number that I've had for two years. I need to call to treat it, but no, I mean, um, I've got it kind of in a little bonus room in our house, like, um, and it's carpeted and it's it's kind of a framed. So I had to kind of move my desk around to figure out how to get it to where it sounded the most natural. But I mean, I feel like for me, like I've tracked vocals in it. The room I'm in right now is super echo. I don't know if it sounds like that long the recording. Uh, so I wouldn't be able to do it in here, but that room, because it's carpeted, like it's pretty dry. I know exactly kind of where to put the mic to make it reflections or whatever. So, you know, I haven't, I've definitely seen the, the benefit of having that, but also the, the pressure of it doesn't really, it's okay if it's not, you know, cause I'm not mixing anything. So if I was mixing something, I would definitely want it treated, but I've got two, um, you know, Yamaha HS eights, you know, simple speakers. You can get a guitar center in there, but I mainly just work in my, in my headphones, you know, so I rarely have the speakers on in there anyway. So mm. it ends up being, being great for it. It's crazy. Sorry, Ryan. I can keep going because <laughs> no, once I get started talking about gear, <laughs> it's it. crazy to see like the way thing. I mean, before you'd have to book studio time, you know, to and and things have changed so much now, you know, that you could have a simple signal chain, a little bit of outboard gear, and that you're saying you're using that on almost everything, you know. Yeah, that's that's crazy to me. Yeah, you know, um, I loved so. Like for nothing else, you listen to that song. That entire song was made in tour green rooms. Um, we 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 made it over the course of like three weeks, and it was me and our our, key, our my keys player McKendry and my drummer Austin. So we all three of us like co-produced the song together, and that was literally made in like one green room to the next, just setting up laptops. So I didn't have any outboard gear on that. I used all internal. UAD plugins to even that vocal was tracked in a, in a green room. Um, I had my Soyuz with me on the road, but um, yeah, I tracked that entire vocal on UAD, you know, kind of mimicked what I have here. I had a 1073 and like LA 2A or, or, 10, or 1176, I think. I don't remember, but um, but yeah, I have a video of like, I, I, I film, I was like, I did my nothing else vocal here, like film the whole thing, and it's just insane what you can literally do like in the box now and um you know if i have the ability to go into a studio and and do like well i feel like the only thing we use a studio now for honestly is drums like you have to have a great studio for drums um but really man like we don't we don't really spend a whole lot of time in studios we kind of just spend time at each other's houses and and even file sharing now i mean like we're working on uh, a studio version of a song right now for Carrie, and because this quarantine, we literally were me and the producer were sharing a session. Uh, so there's a there's a plugin called I'll get real deep into this gear thing if you want me to. Yeah. There's a 
there's a plugin called um, Listen To. It's by a company called Audio Movers. So you can go to audiomovers.com. Their Listen To plugin is amazing. Like you, you put it into your stereo bus on your session and you can stream like, so you can send a link to that person and they can either listen on like Safari. So we do, we do this with mixed revisions a lot now. Like when we're making a record, like most people, like the main guy that mixes our stuff is over in Wales. So like he, uh, he'll, he'll like stream a mix. If we're like in mix three, we still trying to figure out notes and we can't really get it figured out over just email chain. He'll just stream. You log on Safari and he can play his stereo bus live for you and you can be texting notes. Okay, right there. The, so this plugin allows you to do it. So the other day, because of the quarantine, me and the producer are working on this song and I was playing piano on it. And so we had each other's listen to streams like going in our sessions. And so I could hear his, you know, his session in full quality in my studio and he could hear mine. And so literally we were able just to like, he was producing my keys part on the song while I was playing it and we were able to just hear it. And it's, I mean, it's amazing what you can do just wow. kind of in the box now. So how real time is that? There's like a half second delay. Okay. So, I mean, uh, you obviously don't want to track over it, but he threw me, he threw me the audio file to track to. So I pulled it in my session. And, and then at that point he's listening to it in sync on his mm. session it's just a half second off. So it's not really that big of a deal when you're just kind of producing and giving notes across it, you know? Yeah. Do you have so, to be in the same DAW? No, he was in Ableton and I was in uh, Logic. Wow. So that listen to plugin just allows you to just, it's literally just sending a stereo feed of whatever you're sending out of your stereo bus. So you could work in different, different uh, DAWs and just print the, print the files as audio files instead of sharing the session, you know? Yeah. Wow. So. That's cool. One thing, um, I, <laughs> yeah, you put the uh, right. <laughs> capacitor yeah, yeah. on the second it, one. Eight well, it's coming. funny because some some people like, you know, we were talking to Mac Brock a little while ago, and I was trying to get, kind of see what he. I I, I just assumed he'd be a super gearhead, and he yeah. was like, I, I don't really care, you know, whatever. I'm not sure. <laughs> and then it's funny when you find people. Some people don't care at all, and the other people like are super into it. And so it's it's interesting when you find especially the way things are right now with, with being able to build stuff at home. Like yes. it's really, I mean, right now. So uh, the, the producer who's producing this is a drummer. So he tracked drums before all this kind of hit. So we've got drums, but then literally like he's sending, um, he's sending the session to the guitar player. He's tracking guitar, send the session to the bass player. He's tracking bass all, all at their houses. I tracked piano over that. Um, you know, we're tracking vocals, like Carrie and I are tracking vocals over it just at the house. And then, you know, once the quarantine lifts, we'll get some of like the more of the, like the gang vocal choir kind of elements we want to do. But other than that, I mean, as far as individual players, like we're able just to send it around and it's, that's really the way that we do it. You know, if we can get in the studio and the budget's there, we'd love that environment, but it's definitely not necessary if you can't. Yeah. How did, um, changing the subject the the blessing that song yeah how, like how did that come about like you did that with elevation right yeah yeah so we were uh we were at elevation a few weeks ago we were we're going and just lead worship on the weekend with them and we just tacked on a riding day on the front of it and so we were riding on that thursday and um 
we sit down to write. We wrote a whole different song first, and uh, we had been writing for about eight hours until their song, and and then we were sitting down to demo that song, and this other idea, while we were, like, getting ready to demo, this other idea just kind of started happening in the room, and so we stopped and sat with that for a second, and um, and this idea started floating about just writing around the number six blessing, just the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you, and and so we're like, oh, that's like a, it's a cool idea. And we were all pretty tired. We were riding since 10. It was six, six o'clock or so. And we're like, you know, do we keep, do we write another song? Like, do we keep going? Like, oh, this is, feels kind of special. Let's write, you know, figure this out. And then the song just like dropped in the room. It was crazy. We wrote it in about three hours. And um, I mean, it was like, as soon as we knew that number six, we found a translation that we loved and like the melody just fell out like first time. And then we instantly were like, oh, we should sing amens in the chorus. It was just like light, all these light bulb moments of like things going off. And Carrie started singing the bridge, just may his favor be upon you, a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children. And um, So it felt like this thing that we just really took these scriptures and these promises and just kind of framed them up a little bit and put melodies to them. And it, it's crazy. It's like the first song I've ever been a part of writing that I honestly didn't feel like I wrote. I just... It did. There was. There was just. I don't know, man. It's just special that there was wasn't really a whole lot of crafting to it, which a lot of songs are that way, and it's great. You know, "Run to the Father" was a massive craft, and but I love that it was because we really dialed in every like lyric and melody and made sure we wanted it. It was the way we wanted it, and I'm so proud of it. Like a kind of like a art piece you display, you know. But this one just kind of happened, and so we finished the song and. Um, because Carrie and I were leading worship that weekend already, you know, we were all just kind of like, this is a little unconventional to introduce a song this fast after writing it, but let's just do it. We're here. We don't know when we're going to be here again. So let's, let's just do it, you know? And that just kind of did this whole snowball effect of like, we led the song, the church responded like crazy people that were streaming live, like were texting in. And, and there's just like this massive wave of response to the song to the point that we like started talking about, we, I feel like we need to release this like as soon as possible. Just started feeling this like impression from God to just put it out now. It didn't make any sense because I was releasing an album the next week. Elevation had just announced that they were releasing an album on April 3rd that, that this song wasn't on. So this, we were all kind of like, this doesn't make any sense from a marketing standpoint, but we almost felt like eh, at this point, we feel like God's like, ah, marketing doesn't matter. Don't worry about it. Like this song needs to be right now. And so we just like hurry up and got it done, push it through. And so we let it on, we wrote it on Thursday, let it on Sunday. And then it was out on YouTube on the following Friday. And man, like that was before we really knew that was before the quarantine. That was before all the stuff we really knew was going to get locked down. And to really see the timing of this song, it just feels like the perfect song at the perfect time. It's like mind blowing to us. And now we see why we felt like God was like, you have to release this right now. You know, so that was just, that's been a fun thing to just be a part of, man. Like we, Carrie and I just stumbled into that. I didn't expect to come out of that weekend with something like that. And we're just thankful that for whatever reason, like God chose to just drop it in that room that day. And it's been amazing to watch it encourage people. And it's, it's encouraging our family. Like, that's why I say it almost feels like we weren't even a part of writing it because we're grabbing onto it as if somebody like gave it to us, like, thank you for giving us the song. You know, we're declaring it over our family and over our kids. 
clinging to it and what, like kind of like it's helping us just keep fear at bay out, outside of our house, you know, just declaring the blessing of God. So I, I love that song and I'm, I'm so thankful that it's, it's out in the world. Yeah. Cause I want the, the thing I was wondering was how, like at what point in this whole Corona process was that song being written? And did you have that, any of that in your head at the time? Like, like no, even, even was it even on your radar? No, I mean we were writing just thinking about the, just the blessings of God in Scripture in general, just the okay. the promises of God. You know, it was written on the it was like February twenty fifth, I think, is when it was written. So you know, national emergency wasn't declared till March thirteenth, um, and so yeah, it was weeks. Corona was like at that time. I remember the conversation. It was happening in China and it was happening in other countries starting to kind of happen in other countries and it definitely wasn't a threat here yet. It was just kind of a conversation of what happens if it comes to the States or whatever. So it definitely wasn't written out of that. And that's what was so mind blowing to us is when we felt this, we felt this impression all of a sudden, like you have to release this now, you know, there wasn't any, there wasn't even any talk at the time, even when we were leading worship that weekend, there wasn't any talk at the time of church getting shut down. Like no one even had that in their, in their mind, you know? So, um, it was just crazy when we released it. And then pretty much the weekend, the day we released it on YouTube is when the conversations kind of started becoming like, oh, this might be a problem here. And then and then a week after that, it was like, oh, we're this is a national emergency. And then the week that it got released on all the audio, which is last week, 27th, was the week that it was like, the whole country shut down. You know, everyone stay inside. And that's the day it came out on all the platform. I don't know, man. It's just been a crazy to see that timing of that happen that way well um we appreciate it um i'd love to have you on again because once you start <laughs> talking about marching band under road and this gear like i'm like that man, really I, up the whole conversation it, 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 it perked me up man like i mean i've just been kind of moping around my house today listening to the news and stuff and then like i don't know why that that got me that gave me a little energy today <laughs> oh it's great but yeah, um, but can I close with uh, one final question? Uh, yeah. What's, what's the weirdest part about being quarantined right now? <laughs> the weirdest part? I mean, I don't know. The weirdest thing is that I just can't, I can't like go see my friends. Or, like, that, that feels so strange. Like, I'm like, if I go see my friends, like it's just going to be two of us. That, that's fine, right? Like that's, that should be a, like, you know, I don't know. It just, it's, it's really interesting to like, it's really interesting to like feel like you have to stay home even though I love being home and even though I would probably choose to stay home anyway, but just this feeling of like, I can't go somewhere. Like that's just really kind of a, a weird thing, but man, we're just trying to lean into it and just trying to really make the most of it. I feel like, I feel like if I don't really like value it now when it's all over, like in I'm sure a few weeks or whatever. And you know, later in the year, I'll probably look back on this and be like, man, I really should have like, you know, I really should have enjoyed that more because I'm sure when it's all over, it's going to be like guns blazing for everybody. And we're going to be so busy and touring and all this kind of stuff. So uh, I'm just, man, I'm trying to just enjoy it. Like I'm trying to enjoy not having to really like uh, change out of my sweats and just and stay home and, you know, create music with my kids screaming in the background. Like that's, I mean, that's, that's awesome. So yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Cody. We appreciate you being with us. I'm yeah, excited to get this out because uh, sweet has a lot of good stuff. Yeah, good man. 
thank you guys for making a great interview. It was awesome. Yeah, we appreciate it, man. All right.